Honestly, I think so much. <laughs> but I think we've all heard this, this saying, uh, product marketers are like mini CEOs, right? And it's true. And so I really think it goes back to that. As a product marketer, you have to be very business savvy. You need to understand the customer. You need to understand the market. You need to understand how products are built. Whether or not you're actually technically building a software product, different story. And so we have all of these different angles and skill sets in our toolkit. And I think that that positions us very well to be an entrepreneur. You know, earlier in my career, I thought I would be a CEO. That was my goal. I never wanted to be a CMO. Um, I always wanted to be a CEO. And I thought the best path to being a CEO was going to be going through a CSO, um, C-level role. And what I realized upon, you know, hitting the C-suite, but also just getting to really understand what I want out of life is like, I think actually entrepreneurship is the best path for me. And it's like, I can be the CEO of my own business, but I get to kind of lean on all of these different skill sets that I have. And so I really think that that's what's at the heart of it. Welcome to the Product Marketing Life podcast, brought to you by the Product Marketing Alliance and hosted by me, Mark Cassini, Product Marketing Manager at Jopper. Every two weeks, I pull insights from some of the world's most talented product marketers who uncover the secret sauce of successful product marketing. In this episode, I'm joined by Tamara Grominski, founder at PMM Camp, the newsletter and community for strategic product marketers. Tamara was previously the chief strategy officer at Unbounce and VP of product marketing at Kajabi. She's also partnered with the PMA to put together two self-paced courses, segmentation certified and pricing certified. Today, in addition to managing the PMM Camp community, Tomorrow is one of three creators of the new go-to-market focused course, Ready for Launch. With Jason Oakley and Andy McCotter Bicknell, Tomorrow has put together one of the best cohort-based resources on how to nail launches from start to finish. During our chat, Tomorrow and I dive into the growing trend of product marketers becoming founders, breaking out on their own as entrepreneurs. Tomorrow shares why she believes product marketers are so well-suited to spin up their own business and gives advice on how to navigate the choppy waters of entrepreneurship. All right, with that out of the way, let's dive in. Hey, Tamara, how's it going? Good, how are you doing? Doing very well, thank you. Super excited to have you back on the show. You're actually one of the show's earlier guests, so excited to have you back on and do a, a little bit of catch up. Love that, that's so exciting. Yeah, it's a full circle moment. Yeah, exactly. You're one of few repeat guests we've had on, so uh, looking forward to, again, hearing how things have changed since you were last on and, and chatting to our topic today. So let's get right into it then. So for anyone who's listening, who hasn't heard of you, and I feel like that audience is probably in the minority at that point, um, but can you give me a quick overview of your career so far? Sure. Yeah. So I'm a Canadian product marketer. I feel like I always have to say that I'm Canadian and proud, um, but really grew up in Canadian tech. Like most product marketers completely fell into it. I had a background in publishing and professional writing, actually. And I was really passionate about this idea of like, how do we commercialize storytelling? So one thing led to another, ended up in my first product marketing role. And I think I had the opportunity of discovering fairly early that there was this tension between strategic product marketing and what I call executional product marketing. And I took a very strong stance for strategic product marketing. And I feel like that helped shape both, you know, awareness of me as a product marketer, but also my career. And so then really every other job I took after that was within that frame, which is, can I be a strategic product marketer? Can I heavily influence or lead? the strategy of the company. And so that's kind of led me through my roles. I led product marketing at FreshBooks, a 
large cloud accounting software for SMBs, then went on to Unbounce. I actually moved from Toronto to Vancouver, which was why I made the switch to Unbounce. I started there as the head of product marketing, worked my way up through several roles over four years and was the chief strategy officer there before I left to go to Kajabi, which uh, was my first in, in American tech full-time. I had done some client work, but not fully worked for an American company. And um, actually went back to a VP of product marketing role. So I think that surprised a few people. I took a step back from the C-suite, but it was very intentional. Um, so those are the three companies that most people will know my work from. Uh, and then recently just stepped out on my own. Yeah, and that'll be the focus of our conversation today. So very excited to dive a bit deeper there. Before I do, though, I'm just curious, as you transitioned from FreshBooks to Unbounce and then Kajabi, were you the founding PMM in those organizations or had there already been established PMM functions? Yeah, that's a great question. I was not the founding PMM, but in all three instances, I was brought in to, I'm going to say burn down and build up. Uh, so there had been either a team or some sort of function or processes or systems, but they were not working. And so I'm very much a builder. And so I was brought in to rebuild, let's say. <laughs> I've never actually been the first, first PMM somewhere with like, a, say, a company of 10 employees. And all of those companies, they were, you know, sub 500 employees, but large enough that we had a need for product marketing. And in all of those times, it was like, how do we take what we have done and level it up? So really, like not to say anything bad about the teams that were there before I got there, but they were more executional versus, hey, there's an opportunity for us to now come in and be a bit more strategic about how we're running product marketing. Right. So not necessarily starting from the design of the building, the foundation was there. You just need to do a bit of a gut job and remodel a little bit. Exactly. And maybe like an extension here or there. <laughs> right, right. So you mentioned in stepping into those roles, the teams were fairly executional. Uh, mm -hmm. How did you establish that? Let's call it company-wide buy-in to see product marketing as more of a strategic function. Because I think that's a struggle that a lot of product marketers face, especially if they are just focused on the day-to-day -day execution of things. And was that something that you needed to get sponsorship from you know the person bringing you in, or did you have to build that support for that transition from execution to strategy? Yeah. So in those all three of those cases, I actually ensured in the interview process that that was what they wanted out of it. So and people ask me this question all the time, like, how do I know if my next role will be strategic or executional? And I'm like, if you don't know by the end of the interview process, then it's going to be executional. <laughs> Um, this is something that I spent a lot of time aligning on and actually both at Unbounce and at Kajabi, I was able to work with the hiring team there to craft a role that made sense for me. Like neither of them were really hiring. I just had connections into them and said, Hey, what are your problems? I think I can solve them. But with FreshBooks, for example, when I was interviewing for that role, it was only a director level role. Um, I applied blindly to an application, but I spent a lot of time with the hiring manager who was the CMO at the time. And we just super aligned on the fact that he wanted to build a strategic product marketing function. What does that even mean? So we talked a lot about like, what are the problems that the organization is having that they want product marketing to solve for them? And that question alone is going to unearth if it is going to be more executional or more strategic. So I spent a lot of time there in the interview process. I love that question because it's so foundational to what we as product marketers do with our customers, right? Like that's how we're supposed to approach every customer situation. What's the problem? How can we as an org solve it? And I love that you flipped that to, hey, what is you, your problem as an organization and how can I as a strategic product marketer come in and solve them? And I, yeah. you know, 
it's always, I find in these conversations um, for the show, it's always the most obvious things that I think a lot of us take for granted because we're just like, how can I apply to the customer? But if you take a step back and think, well, how can I apply to this to myself? And how can I use that to elevate my own career? It's amazing how much farther you can take your own career progression if you if you put on that same product marketing hat and apply it to your own career. Absolutely. Everything, your career should be intentional, every single aspect of it. And I always say, you need to choose the company as much as they need to choose you. And that's true even in a difficult job market. Actually, maybe sometimes more true in a difficult job market. And so thinking about like, what am I actually great at? Am I going to excel here? And is this going to give me the learning opportunity? I think so few people actually ask themselves that ahead of time. They're just like, oh, product marketing, I can do it. That sounds cool. They're going to pay me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and speaking a little bit more specifically about your time at Unbounce and this role as chief strategy officer. So it's not a C-level role you often hear. I think I've come across a couple of organizations that have a chief strategy officer, but it's definitely not something you see across the board. Um, so I'm curious, how did that role come about and how did your experience as a product marketer, you know, help you excel in the role or even shape the role into what you wanted it to be? Yeah. So as I mentioned, I was brought into Unbounce to help grow the product marketing function, um, help elevate it to a strategic product marketing function. And then something really interesting happened right after I got there, which was Unbounce was previously a bootstrap company with six co-founders. Um, the co-founders were hoping to take a step back from the business. This was about 10 years into the business by the time I got there. The co-founders wanted to take a step back and they also wanted to stimulate growth. And so we wanted to take on a round of funding. And so I was part of the team that was integral in building the strategy that would go out and get us funding from private equity, which was an amazing experience. We were able to secure equity, which was amazing right at the beginning of COVID actually. Uh, and then we needed to start embarking on this strategy. And so what happened was the co-founders who were very much the, I'm going to say the head of strategy or the pillar of strategy before, uh, stepped away from the business um, as they wanted to. They're exhausted from 10 years of growing this thing, which meant though that, you know, the operators of the business had this opportunity to really become the new executive team. And so our new CEO was previously our CRO and she was very operationally focused. She was amazing at sales, amazing at building growth models, amazing at people operations, but would um, admit that like go-to-market strategy and product strategy was not her strength. And so that meant that there was a real opportunity for me to step up and, and contribute, I guess. And so it was very organic. It's not like I went into Unbounce being like, I'm going to be the CSO. I went in being like, yeah, I want to keep you know growing, but I kind of assumed that would be through a VP of PMM role. So what happened was there was an opportunity to bring together a couple different functions. I brought together product marketing, customer marketing, and partnerships. And then actually I had a small little M&A team as well. But um, really we're like, well, what are we going to call this? It's not going to be product marketing because it's more than that. So we ended up on the name strategic growth because we're like, okay, we're trying to strategically grow the business with these teams. And so I became the vice president of strategic growth. Um, and then from there naturally became the CSO. Uh, so that was kind of the path. Like it certainly wasn't predetermined. Yeah. You know, much like you started off our conversation, it, it definitely sounds like most product marketers who find themselves in the role, they didn't really know product marketing was a thing until they actually started doing it. So obviously you were very intentional in having this strategic hand in growing the business. That role didn't necessarily exist when you began that journey. So it's interesting to see, you know, that kind of play out in that similar fashion. Um, you know, and I've 
uh, been a customer of Unbounce when I spent some time at an agency several years ago. And it was interesting since working there while not being a customer, watching that kind of progression. So I definitely, you can see, um, while not knowing the details myself, I definitely feel like now having this, where I can see when that strategy changed and that story of the company has evolved. Since leaving, has that strategy that you and that original group, you know, put together still continued to be executed or has it evolved and changed ever so slightly? I think it's definitely evolved. Um, To be honest, when I leave a company, I try to separate myself from them as best as I can in a healthy way. Like I keep the relationships from there, but you kind of have to let yourself go from the work. Um, I remember earlier on in my career, I did not do that. And I'd go back and I'd be like, they changed the website. I'm gutted or whatever. So, you know, um, definitely from time to time, I'll go back to the Unbounce website or if I'm, you know, out for coffee or drinks with someone who still works there, uh, something will come up. And um, I would say, uh, I think the heart of the strategy is still there, which was we really wanted to find a way to bring AI and marketers together to drive the highest quality and the most amount of conversions. I would say the way that they're doing that seems to have evolved, but like I haven't been there for over two, three years. So I don't know all of the inputs that they have now to shape the strategy. Of course. Yeah. Organizations like that can change ever, you know, so quickly oh. as we all know. So yeah, it makes makes a ton of sense. And it's so funny you brought up the, the website example, because that's a feeling that I definitely had at one point in my career as well as, uh, you know, working on this new overhaul and then you leave and you find six, 12 months later that they deviated from the plan. And you're separating yourself from that work. Like you said, is very challenging. I remember thinking to myself, Oh God, did I, did I do this wrong? Like, did, did they launch and then realize that I was way off? Yeah. Um, and maybe to protect my own ego, I never, you know, reached back to ask, but, uh, definitely get that feeling of having to to separate yourself as, as you progress in your career. So, uh, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Well, let's shift gears ever so slightly. We talked a lot about, you know, this idea of working with founders and I think that theme is going to carry itself throughout the rest of the conversation. So, um, what I really wanted to have you on today was talk more specifically about the relationship between product marketing and entrepreneurship. So you recently, you know, as you said that your career has had a very entrepreneurial vibe to it, um, you know, from working directly with entrepreneurs uh, during your time at Kajabi to becoming an entrepreneur yourself as a founder of PM Camp and now most recently co-founding the Ready to Launch course. So what is it about product marketing that you think lends itself so well to entrepreneurship? Honestly, I think so much, <laughs> but I think we've all heard this, this saying, uh, product marketers are like mini CEOs, right? And it's true. And so I really think it goes back to that. As a product marketer, you have to be very business savvy. You need to understand the customer. You need to understand the market. You need to understand how products are built, whether or not you're actually technically building a software product, different story. And so we have all of these different angles and skill sets in our toolkit. And I think that that positions us very well to be an entrepreneur. You know, earlier in my career, I thought I would be a CEO. That was my goal. I never wanted to be a CMO. Um, I always wanted to be a CEO. And I thought the best path to being a CEO was going to be going through a CSO, um, C-level role. And what I realized upon, you know, hitting the C-suite, but also just getting to really understand what I want out of life is like, I think actually entrepreneurship is the best path for me. And it's like, I can be the CEO of my own business, but I get to kind of lean on all of these different skill sets that I have. And so I really think that that's what's at the heart of it. I also think product marketing is a challenging role. A lot of roles say this, but I really do feel this about product marketing. We're often misunderstood. We're often um, trying to think outside of the box. And I think we feel uncomfortable a lot of the time in a good way, but we feel uncomfortable. And so we're comfortable being uncomfortable. 
And that is something you need to be able to do as an entrepreneur. And so I think that those are the connective tissues between product marketing and entrepreneurship. It just makes sense. It's like almost a wasted opportunity if you're not building something for yourself, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's exactly why, you, I, at least I have seen most recently, a lot of product marketers step out on their own, you know, whether it's, you know, yourself, um, Jason, or Andy that you've partnered with for the Ready to Launch course. I know Derek Osgood is, is out there building Ignition, and I could, you know, go down a whole list of others who are out there doing their own thing as product marketers or former product marketers, you know, yeah. becoming entrepreneurs. So I think that connected tissue, as you described it, is very much the case. Um, something I want to go back on that you said, you, you mentioned that you originally thought about I want to become a CEO. That's where I want to be in my career at some stage in the future. And I think you're right that typically the progression for a product marketer was always seen product marketing to CMO. Like that's a path. Maybe the next step beyond that is CEO, but it does feel like more recently. And again, your evidence of this, there has been a shift of, well, maybe not CMO, maybe entrepreneur. I want to go and do my own thing. You know, why do you think that might be the case? Why do you think that focus has kind of shifted for a lot of product marketers more recently? Yeah, I think about this a lot. I think a couple things. One, um, one, I think that more people are doing it. And once someone does it, you're like, oh, I could do that too, right? And so there is something in that, like, it feels less scary. There are people to go to. Like, even for example, when I knew I was going to go 100% of my time on this, I was like, okay, I'm going to feel lonely. I'm going to need a support system. So like Andy, Jason, and I created a group and we like talk all day long on Slack. And then that's where like naturally some of these ideas have come from, Right. Uh, three years ago, even probably one year ago, that wouldn't have existed, right? So I think people have paved the way that make it easier for others. But then I think like it's really challenging market out there. And we've seen a lot of people who've been laid off once, twice, sometimes even three times. So I think faith in the corporate system is waning. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm going to do a good job and I know I'll be promoted to director. And then a couple of years later, VP, it's like, am I going to be here tomorrow? And so there's a lot of self-reflection of how can I actually protect myself or how can I can take control over my own career? And like entrepreneurship is not for everyone. It's probably for most people. Let's just be honest about that. But I think for some or even a lot of the folks I've talked to, some who need a break, it's a great option for almost like a little sabbatical from tech, right? Maybe take a year or two, do some consulting, um, have a bit more time or flexibility in your life, and then think intentionally about your next move. So I think we're seeing that. I also think the third one is that we are seeing some glamorization of entrepreneurship, which maybe good or bad, but we have people like Justin Welsh, whom I love. He was a Kajabi customer. I've been following him for years. He was an executive in SaaS, went out on his own as a solopreneur, and now, you know, has a multi-million dollar business himself. We even have people like Dave Gerhardt, who created Exit 5. So there's a few people who often make it look easy. Um, and I think they are clear that it's not easy, but it doesn't mean they don't make it look easy, you know, and tempting. And so I think we also do have a little bit of a temptation from that. I do think we might see some blowback from that of people who maybe weren't fully prepared for what it meant or didn't realize how hard it would be. And so I do think in the next few months, definitely next year, we're going to see a rebalancing of a few more people going back into full-time roles and being like, actually, PMM Leadership Career Track is right for me. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, this idea of glamorizing entrepreneurship, I think you're, like you said, it discusses its pros and cons. And I think 
you know, platforms like LinkedIn have made it very easy for, you know, people in that space to put together a quick LinkedIn post. But what you don't see is the years of hard work and lessons and mistakes that got them to be able to distill that learning into, you know, a quick <laughs> post on LinkedIn. Um, so it, like you said, on the surface, it seems, well, if they're doing it, why, why, why can't I? Um, so I think you're, you're spot on there. And it, I think if I can just go back to this idea of why, why product marketers make good entrepreneurs, I think you're right. It, it is getting more and more crowded in the, let's call it product marketing specific entrepreneurship space, especially if you're trying to sell services to other product marketers or other related functions. Um, but I think what makes product marketers probably maybe not better equipped, but at least well-equipped to navigate that is like, that's our bread and butter is differentiation in, in crowded markets. So I think if anybody can, you know, make a path of entrepreneurship, product marketers tend to have that bit of a leg up over others because they deeply understand what it takes to differentiate yourself. I think so. And it's so funny because I remember one of the first calls. So I had Jason and I would hang out and Andy would hang out, Andy and Jason to hang out. And I remember being like, can the three of us all just like hang out together? So I remember the first time we all got on a call, we all agreed. We're like, okay, we all believe in an abundance mindset. We all believe there's room for all three of us plus others. But we all know that the key to success is that each of us need to have our own niche. So what is it? And we like literally spent the call like giving each other feedback on that. And so it's so funny because it's true. It's like we knew from the beginning that in order for all of us to succeed, we all need to have a very clear differentiator and target market. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of other entrepreneurs could have taken years or months to get to that conversation. And that was our first one. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, obviously Andy's built a name for himself in the competitive intelligence space. Jason's very focused on kind of the PMM productivity and operationalizing product marketing. You're very knowledgeable at strategy and launching. So I think, you know, the fact that I, I wasn't in that call, but I was able to describe, I think I would hope pretty accurately exactly. what each of your expertises are. You nailed it. Yeah, good. Okay, good, good, good. I'm, I'm keeping up on, on what you guys are up to. Um, you know, that, that speaks to how well you've been able to create those niches. And, and again, it's not like you guys fell into that differentiation on your own. That took your own careers working in industry or at organizations, I should say, being active in the PMA community and outside of it, posting on LinkedIn to establish those. It's not something that just happens overnight. You have to put in the work to, to make yourself stand out. No, we didn't just like make up one day like, well, I like Andy didn't say I want to be known for competitive tomorrow. It's like, no, we've all been working for like over 10 years each in product marketing, which is pretty rare. Um, we've all done dozens of conference talks. We've been writing on LinkedIn for years. And so I always think like, you can't just start writing about something you don't know. And people can tell. You might see some short-term success, but people can tell who you are, what you're authentic about. Um, and I think that's what I just focus on is like doing more self-reflection, more self-growth. And I know that that will come out to my audience. And in the end, that's what matters. Yeah. And that's something that really you can only establish by working in, you know, boots on the ground in, in product marketing. I think if you ever had somebody come out, let's say in a non-product marketing role and start trying to tell product marketers how they should be doing their product marketing, pretty easy to see through that. Um, yes. And also that's not something you can do by just, you know, let's say out of high school or out of university saying, I'm going to be a product marketing focused entrepreneur. Like, no, you have to put in the work, you have to put in the time because no one's going to take you seriously otherwise. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. So, you know, we, we talked briefly about the work that you and Jason are, and, and um, Andy are doing, you know, you yourself logged PMM camp, um, you know, a couple of years ago, and I've, I've been subscribed to the newsletter since it was PMM office hour. So big fan. Um, what 
would you say are some of the similarities and differences um, in launching products or services within an existing organization compared to launching your own business as an entrepreneur? Great question. Uh, number one, resources. <laughs> as an entrepreneur, you are a launch team of one. So <laughs> I do everything, obviously, from, but I also love it. Like this is why I'm living the best, you know, role I've ever lived, but I do the customer research, right? I identify a problem and that I think I can solve. I determine the best solution to solve that problem. I then build it. For me, my products are digital products. So I obviously don't need um, like a development team. I craft my own products using different tools, but I still have to determine what the product is. Um, what will the feature set of that product be? How much will I charge for that product? Like all the strategic components. Then I need to bring it to market. Then I need to manage the product after. So uh, team of one. Uh, I think prioritization is key, right? Not to say prioritization isn't equally important in an organization, but it's even more so when it's yourself. You literally can only go so far. Um, I think the other thing is that like, it just feels more personal. Um, I think as an entrepreneur, you really have to be comfortable with vulnerability. Because I know like if I'm leading a launch at work, I, I really care about that launch. Like I am the cheerleader of that launch. I'm thinking about it. I'm losing sleep over it. But at the end of the day, like if it were to flop or someone, you know, posted a negative comment on LinkedIn on the launch day post, like they're posting it on like the company website. They're not posting it against Tamara, you know, versus here. It's like, if like everything is attached to my name. And so if it doesn't go well, even if it just doesn't go as well as I hope, then I'm like, oh my God, do they not like me? Did I miss the mark? And so I think there's a lot of reflection and internalization that you have to do. And I think separation too, because you can't hold that much pressure. And not everything you launch is going to be successful. And so I think that was the major difference for me early on, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you're when you're working at an org, and like you said, if something goes poorly, obviously, the the team kind of takes that on. It, it's not necessarily just on one person, because like you said, the abundance of resources, even if you're at a small org, you're probably not doing a launch exclusively on your own, right? Yeah. So if things don't go well, you know, it's not exclusively on you. But on the flip side, if things go really well, you get to share in that you know, success together. Um, but when you're doing it on your own, you don't have a lot of people to share it with. I mean, obviously outside of maybe your direct family and, and friends who you can share that moment with, but like they weren't in the trenches there with you doing that launch um, as yourself. So I can understand that that would be, um, you know, how isolating that could be at times. And, and you know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs have talked about how, how lonely it can be um, at times. And it, it's glad, I'm glad, sorry, that you've been able to, um, you know, find people like Jason and Andy to, to, to build ready to launch together uh, and kind of have that semblance of team again um, that I'm sure each of you probably missed since striking out on your own. Um, and I'm sure that'll show in the course in and of itself. Um, and speaking more specifically on the course, you know, we talked about how each of you have your, you know, your niches and your distinct and diverse backgrounds and experiences. So when you came together and had the conversations around building the course and started to get into the nitty gritty of the content, you know, how do we want to, structure it? How do we want to talk about launches? Did you find that your own experiences tend to show like a similar approach to launch, uh, to launching things? Or was it because of those backgrounds that each of you had very different opinions or viewpoints or approaches to executing a successful launch? 
Yeah, uh, both. <laughs> so I would say the three of us have spent enough time together to know that like philosophically, we believe in the same approach to bringing markets, products to market, right? Which is very important because that's not always the case. Um, so that to say, we believe in incremental value. We believe in testing early and often. And we believe that like launch is a team sport. Okay. So we kind of aligned and we knew that those philosophical principles were all the same. But what actually brought us together even to do the course was I have two courses, one's on segmentation, one's on pricing. Andy has two courses, both on competitive. Jason has a mini course on product demos. And we're like, every course that exists right now is like a deep dive into a component of launch. We're like, there actually is not a single course on how to launch a product from end to end. And reason being, it's actually really hard, if not impossible, to be good at everything from end to end. And so we said, well, what if we came together and we had shared philosophy so that like there's one system, one approach, but all three of us can teach it and we'll each teach you how to be great at that part. And so uh, I would say like there's definitely parts where we're just like, Andy, you write that. Like you are the expert. You are going to teach that topic. Then there's others like let's say the positioning and messaging section. I'm actually teaching that as part of one of my modules in the course, but I spent a lot of time with the guys because they're also good at positioning and messaging. So I'm like, great, what framework should we show? Should we show multiple frameworks versus when I wrote the segmentation section? That's like a deep expertise of mine. So I just kind of ran with it. So it was very collaborative. And I think it's going to get at the heart of, you know, some of best in class approaches while also being a very cohesive philosophical approach to bringing products to market. Yeah, I love that. If you can if you can all agree on again that like philosophical foundation, everything yeah. you can build on top of that is going to be that much stronger. So I think that'll definitely show in the course itself. And it's so funny as you were um, kind of explaining how the three of you kind of jammed on this. It, it really sounded to me exactly what goes into when a product marketer is considering whether or not to join a product marketing team or go out and work, you know, as a solo PMM. Um, the reason being, you know, I think there are some core fundamentals that every product marketer just has to be, you know, baseline strong at right positioning and messaging. Uh, you know, go to market, there's core components of being a strong um, PMM. But then there are other aspects of PMM that you can go deeper on to further strengthen those skills. And it's very hard for one PMM to be good about all those things, right? So we, we often talk about, you know, I think the one that comes up the most often, which is why it's great that you've got Andy in the course, is competitive intelligence, right? A lot of product marketers either do it off the side of their desk, maybe they, you know, spend 10, 15% of their time on it, if, if that, um, until the org gets to a point where they realize, hey, we need to Break this off into its own dedicated function. Yeah. Um, the same could be said for for segmentation, and there are other elements of product marketing as well where you can go really deep on. So I think you're right. Um, you know, and the reason, sorry, just to go back to my original comment, that's the same when you're building a, a product marketing team, right? And, and if you're someone who says, "Hey, you know, I have those foundations, but I really want to see what it's like and learn from others about how to get in those better areas," then I would say, yeah, the team path is the way to go. Mm -hmm. um, because you can kind of fill those gaps and lean on others, uh, much like it sounds like the three of you did in building the course. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. And there's no right, like, it's also, I think some of these topics feel intimidating because we often talk about them as like company-wide initiatives. So let's say pricing and packaging. People think about pricing and packaging as a company-wide initiative, meaning we're going to redo our company pricing model, right? And so I think it often gets ignored as part of launch, which is so sad. It's like, we rarely take the time to think about like, what package should it go in? Should we actually be charging for this as an add-on? Or is there so much value in this new feature or product that we should actually 
relook at our entire pricing. And so, you know, while my pricing course is literally like four hours of pricing strategy, different course altogether, what I talk about in this course is pricing for launch. So how do you do some quick and scrappy research to understand what's the preferred value, what's the willingness to pay, and how does that impact your strategy? And so I think we're taking deep topics, but making them applicable, even if you're not an expert or going to spend most of your time doing it. Yeah, that, that sounds fantastic. Cause you're right. You could get, you could go so deep in one area where you feel like, Hey, like I could spend days learning about this topic, yeah. but when you're preparing for a launch, you oftentimes don't have that much time to go that deep, right? You maybe yeah. got to get something out in two weeks or less. Yeah, um, so absolutely. having that foundational knowledge where it gets you, I don't want to say good enough. Cause I don't think this is doing enough credit to what you just discussed, but like getting to a point where you're confident that what you're launching with is solid yeah. is going to be enough to make the difference between a, you know, an average launch and a really exceptional one. Absolutely. Okay. So, um, just shifting on my next question here, you know, just to go back to, I referenced earlier, you know, your, your PMM camp, um, offering, which you, you know, that was what you originally launched with when you set that on your own. And what part of that offering is for individuals looking to become or grow a product marketing leader. So yes. in the spirit of coaching, I'm curious, what general advice do you have for listeners either looking to take the first step on their own product marketing leadership journey or striking out on their own as a product marketer turned entrepreneur? Yeah, I think it goes back to what we talked about a little earlier, which is be very clear on what you're optimizing for and be very intentional because, I mean, I think, first of all, many of us especially overachievers, A-type personalities, we've had some idea in our mind from when we're little that like, oh, success is me being a VP or success is me making this much money or whatever it might be. And I think I always, with all the people that I work with, um, even everyone I've ever managed as part of my team, I take a step back and I'm like, what does success look like for you? What does it feel like? What does it sound like? And are there like limiting beliefs that you need to remove in order for us to like even have a very clear articulation of what you're working towards. Um, and so then I spent a lot of time on designing the path to that thing. And I, again, one of the, my favorite things is like write the destination in pen, but the path in pencil, because like even a best laid plans may change. And I want us to be, you know, open to things that come along, but we want to take an intentional approach to designing your career path. And so I'll ask questions like, um, what are the skills that, you know, give you energy? What are the ones that drain you? When you combine those energy giving skills, what are the unique capabilities that you can give to an organization? Who needs those capabilities? It's almost like a personal um, positioning exercise. And when I work with folks out of that, I like them to have a personal positioning statement um, so that they can then understand, like, this is the type of company that, um, I should work for, whether it's like business size, go to market motion, types of problems they're going to solve. Here's the type of work I'll do or the value I'll bring. And here will be the impact of that. And then it's really just about kind of like filling in, right? Who are the people I need to know to get me there? What are the skills I need to build to get me there? Do I need to build confidence? Do I need to build a portfolio? Um, but everything starts with being intentional and understanding the like why behind the thing that you're working towards. Yeah, I love that. It goes back to what we said at the beginning of the conversation of taking this product marketing mindset and applying it to your own career. Something that, again, on the surface seems so obvious, but I'm sure many people who come to work with you, after you explain to them like that, they realize, oh, wow, like 
you said it, it sounds so obvious, but it's, I've missed this this whole time. Totally. No, it, everyone says that. They're like, oh, I'm just applying product marketing to myself. And it's like, yes, <laughs> it's very simple. It's not rocket science, but sometimes it takes someone else to help guide you through that process too, because um, we get stuck in our own heads. We have these limiting beliefs. We have fears. And so I think I try to create a space where we can have those open conversations and we can really like manifest and dream a, a bit bigger than maybe they have previously. Yeah. And I think it, I can understand why it's easy for someone to fall into that trap because as a product marketer, if you're trying to answer those questions for your product, you go talk to customers. Well, exactly. when you're doing it to yourself, you are the customer. So it's kind of hard to ask you those questions unless you're having someone ask them to you. So again, I think that's where bringing on someone like yourself as a coach can actually help make that difference because you're, it's that forcing action to say, Hey, these are questions that I would normally ask my customer. Like, what if I asked myself those questions and, and, you know, really thought through the answers in, in a really you know deep way that I maybe wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah, exactly. And I think I'm so passionate about this because I was that person who had like a checklist career. I was like, when I am a C-level executive or like, I want to be a director by this age, then a VP, then a C-level, and then I'm going to be so happy. And like, yes, I was, but also it felt very empty. And then I had this like major life crisis really quite young where I was like, what is the purpose of all of this? Like, how am I going to make an impact on the world? How am I going to design the type of life I want? And so I spent a lot of years doing self-reflection, um, a lot of coaching, a lot of therapy, a lot of different frameworks. And so now I'm just happy to help others get to that same realization and hopefully without going through the same hurdles that I had to go through um, to get to that point. Yeah, I'm so happy to hear that just for, for you, because I can imagine, you know, the amount of work that you had to invest to get to that stage um, and the resources you had to lean on. And, you know, it's it's not easy for everyone to to be able to say, like, hey, I, I need to go down this path so that I make sure when I'm through it that I'm way better off now then than I was right now. Um, and I can I totally get how especially product marketers, because we're so we're in such high demand, we're often doing a million different things that it's very easy to get caught in the trap of just going day to day and surviving. And it's and it's funny in a recent conversation I had with with Kevin Chan and Studi Dutt on a previous episode, this topic of you know avoiding burnout and having you know self help or self and mental health check ins with yourself as a product marketer to make sure you're doing okay. And I think you know like it's mentioned earlier about kind of the economic situation that we find ourselves in and the tough job market. It's very easy to just focus on again going from one day to the next it's important that we hold ourselves accountable to asking our, each other and ourselves, how are we doing? Like, how are we doing? Not just today, but how are we doing in the context of where we want to be three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, N not necessarily in that checklist fashion, as you, as you oh, so yeah. intelligently said, but just like life-wise, yeah. where do we want to be? What do we want to be doing? How do we want to feel about what we've done so far in our career yeah. and our lives? It's that values alignment. So now I use this model called like the horizons of focus. I don't know if you've used that one before. It basically, it's like thinking about looking at something from the highest point and then drilling down. So you start, there's like five levels. I won't go into all of them, but you guys can Google it if you want more. Um, but the top level, just to give you an idea, is like the 50,000 foot view. And this is like your life principles and values. Like what is going to guide your decisions, whether you're thinking about moving to a new city or a new job or a partner. And so aligning on those, and then you kind of work your way down level by level and you get, you know, from life values to like a five-year vision to like one to three-year goals to an annual focus. And then like this year, what are the projects I'm doing to get me 
there. And so I found that that model is really helpful for me because you start at the top, you have to really understand what's driving you. And then when you're doing those check-ins, like you just said, you said like, is this aligned to the principles and values that I said I want to live my life by? And sometimes I catch myself and I'm like, it's not. Like this is an ego-driven activity right now, or this is a fear-driven activity. Um, And one of mine is that I want to live from a place of abundance and a mindset of abundance. And so, you know, I catch myself often. I'm like, this is a scarcity mindset. This is a fear mindset. You don't want to live like that. And instead of like being hard on myself, I go, nope, that's fine. We go back to the value. We live from abundance, you know? And so having it there. And then once a year, when I set my annual goals for myself, I go back and I reflect, I revise, I adjust. And it's just like my guidepost. I love that. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people listening today are going to go check that out. Cause I think it's the framing of it is so, so fantastic. And, you know, most product marketers, we love a good framework, especially one that takes those big hairy problems and can break them down into ways that seems more manageable. So not surprised to hear that it resonated with a fellow product marketer. I'm sure a lot of the listeners will resonate with them as well. Um, and, and, you know, just back to this coaching, uh, for a moment, I'm curious in conversations you've had, um, with some of your, let's say the most recent, uh, or some of the more recent people you've taken on a coaching uh, capacity, have there been any themes or patterns and where you've heard them say like, this is where I want to be, this is what I want to accomplish, or has it been so diverse, you know, depending on the person that you're chatting with? I think it is much more diverse. I mean, I think for most people, they want more. And that's where I'm like, okay, but let's dig into and dissect more. Like, what does more mean? What will it feel like when you have more so that we can really understand, like, maybe you can actually get more today, you know? Um, So... Yes and no. I will say I hear one thing over and over. And so I also run the PMM camp community in addition to my coaching and the community is for senior product marketers and above. It's kind of like a shared peer to peer space for exactly the same thing as well. Uh, And I have a lot of one on one calls with folks from there. I'll just have like little coffee chats. And I am shocked by the amount of people that I've heard. These are all successful product marketers who are senior PMMs and above, if not director. Over half of the ones I talk to say like, I feel like I wasn't trained properly or I'm, I have insecurities because um, like I'm self-taught or I just like figure things out as I went and like, am I doing it? Okay. And I'm like, of course you figured it out as you went, there was no one before us. We built the way, you know? So um, it's interesting because I think that what we're seeing is that there's this like new crop of product marketers who are super confident sometimes without actually having the experience to be so. And then there's this cohort of product marketers that came up first and we're almost looking in the mirror and being like, did we get this wrong? Like we need some validation sometimes. And so, I mean, I've been spending a lot of time with people just like reaffirming them. Like you've got this, you're great at what you're great at. Like we're all in it together. And I think that's where the spirit of community comes from too. Like it can be isolating. You're often the only person at your org um, in that role, especially if you're a leader, you do feel like that person at that company must have it figured out. I don't. And we're all in it together. So I'm trying to bring together this like shared experience to like connect, but also it's like group therapy. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And, and what I find so fascinating about this, it's, it's as you're chatting, it reminded me of so many conversations I've had with my wife over the years. And again, maybe this is me being one of those, you know, stereotypical millennials, but I, I feel like so many product marketers who are in those more experienced positions tend to be millennials. And I think that like millennials, I think we're the first group of product marketers to really be vocal and like champion product marketing as a function. Um, and the reason I say that is because much like, or the reason I think we seek out that validation is because we grew up um, as in an environment that was very education oriented. 
and obviously subsequent generations have been as well. But my wife and I always joke, like we grew up in an environment where school was the validation in our life, right? Like you knew very, very objectively whether you're doing well or whether you're doing poorly. But once you take a step into the real world after school, after doing, you know, sometimes four years of undergrad, plus another two to four years of master's, if not more, you're like, oh crap, you mean I'm not getting graded on this every week or every semester? And you're like, how do I know I'm doing a good job? So I, it's funny you you mentioned that that's a feeling that you're hearing because I think that's where personally that's my my hypothesis of where a lot of that is probably stemming from. Totally, and it's like it's even more pervasive than some careers where like let's imagine you're going into a marketing function or a product function that's slightly more ahead. Like product management is ten years ahead of where product marketing is. We take something like even like paid marketing. Paid is five to 10 years ahead of product marketing too. And so it's like, you go into one of those career paths, there's clear expectations, there's clear KPIs, there's frameworks. Like, I think for a lot of us in my generation of product marketers, like we built that, like no one taught me how to do customer segmentation. Like I had to build my own model that I now share with others, you know? Um, And so it's, there's been no one to give us gold stars along the way. That's for sure. Yeah. And I think a lot of what product marketing, I need that gold star. (laughs) Yeah. All hundred percent same. And I think a lot of the, a lot of the work that product marketers drive forward in organizations tend to be hard to quantify the impact, at least in a direct way. So it's not like you said, like with a, with a paid marketing role, you can launch campaigns and do initiatives and you can measure the impact very quantitatively, scientifically. So product marketing, you can't really measure the impact of new positioning and messaging down to say, Hey, this is the strategy that we adopted. And we can confidently say with hundred percent accuracy that it generated this much in revenue. Like you just, you can't do that. There's always going to be some, you know, tenuous connections. And that's what makes getting that validation. I think that much more challenging for product marketers. Product marketing is part art, part science, and it's beautiful, but challenging. Yes, exactly. And I think it's beautiful because it's challenging, which is, which is why I think so many product marketers stay in it for so long. I love that. Um, well, well, awesome, Tamara. This has been a fantastic conversation. I'm sure you and I could just keep going, but I, I'm I am going to let you go. But before I do, I just want to ask you my last question. I'm going to change it ever so slightly. Okay. Um, and that's, what's an area of focus within the realm of product marketing that you think product marketers will have to pay extra attention to, not this year, but let's say next year when compared to previous years? Yeah, I think... I, I honestly think I'm going to say the business side and the financial acumen of product marketing. And I'll tell you the reason why. I think for a very long time, startups in particular and like scales were just doing well. Every year they grew, every year they got better. And so product marketers had maybe the top level KPI was like growth rate or revenue growth rate. And it was fairly easy to hit every year, right? And now what we're seeing is like, that's not the case. Um, <laughs> there's a new emphasis on uh, different business metrics like profitability. And so um, we now have new metrics we need to be aware of. We need to, especially as a product marketing leader, be part of the conversation on helping to refine what those metrics are and then really understand what levers we can pull. And so like, do we need to focus on NRR? Do we need to focus on some other metric? So that is gonna require a level of financial acumen that I think most product marketers have not developed yet. And in order to actually stimulate growth, we're going to need to properly understand how to pull pricing and packaging as a lever. And I think we do not understand as a function how to do that properly yet. And so again, there's a lot of financial components to that. There's a lot of like biopsychology components to that. Uh, So I would say those both ladder up into this like financial business acumen bit. Um, So really pulling on those MBA backgrounds that a lot of product marketers have. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's time to crack open the old finance and accounting books to understand, yep. <laughs> you know, what goes into an income statement and what are the metrics that we can, you know, influence as product marketing to see those numbers go in the right direction. Cause yeah, yep. I, I think you're spot on. I think this transition from, you know, growth at all costs is, I don't necessarily think maybe coming to an end is the right description, but it's definitely shifting with more of a focus towards profitability, as you said, which is why you've seen, you know, so many organizations unfortunately have to, to lay people off or make the decision to have, yeah. I think you could be debated until the cows come yeah. home. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I think that's a very astute observation. And I, and I, you know, it, the good thing is, is that, you know, we've got individuals such as yourself and courses like ready to launch that can help provide guidance on things like packing and packaging, obviously as it pertains to launches, but then you can kind of evolve those learnings and apply them to the, the business overall, which is, which is fantastic. So, um, well, well, listen tomorrow, like I said, this has been a great chat. Um, I'll let you go. Um, before I do, I just want to ask you if anybody does want to get in touch with you, maybe they want to learn more about PMM camp, ready to launch, what would be the best way to do that? Yeah, the best way is to follow me on LinkedIn. I'm there every day. Um, and then um, tomorrow, Germinski, I'm literally the only person in the world with my name. So search it. You can't miss it. Um, or then go to pmmcamp.com. You can find more about the community. You can subscribe to the newsletter. You can learn more about coaching. Um, but LinkedIn and pmmcamp.com are the two places. Yeah, at minimum, follow tomorrow on LinkedIn. Subscribe to the newsletter. Like I said, I've been a subscriber since day one when it was PMM office hours. Um, it's a fantastic resource. You know, the work that you and Andy and Jason are doing, I think is fantastic, not just for product marketing, but for helping product marketers better understand what a good launch looks like. Cause I think, as we've said throughout this conversation, there's a lot of unknowns there. So super excited to see the course, uh, and, and evolve over time. And again, yeah. I can't thank you enough for your time, not just today, but for everything that you do in, you know, being a champion for product marketing, it's fantastic to see. Thanks. And thanks for having me back on the show. Yes, it was great. I'm sure we'll have you back on maybe another year from now just to see how things have gone more. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much again for your time today. Tomorrow, this has been fantastic. Bye. For everyone still tuned in, thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please help us spread the word to other product marketers. Before we leave you to get on with your day, if you want to get involved, here are a few ways you can. If you're a product marketer, and want to come on the show and speak about your day, a specific topic, or your role in general, that's one option. If you want to flex your podcast hosting skills, being a guest host is another. And finally, if you or your company want to spot to an episode, there's a third. Thanks again and have a great morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are.